Mark chapter 11 is where we're going to be hanging out this evening. So if you'd open up your Bibles, I actually want to do kind of an in-depth teaching tonight, not so much preaching, if I can control myself, but I want you to, want you to get into these scriptures tonight and see what the Lord has for us. Mark chapter, by the way, we've had a long day. Started my day this morning about 5.30, uh, and we, we did the Great Valley Book Fest where there were thousands and thousands of people that were there at the Manteca uh, campus. And we ministered to people, and we played with kids, and we had giant stuff. It was just an amazing day. Got to get the stuff back here and unload it in the, in the church here at this campus, and then ran home and took a quick shower, and back here again. So dial in. If I'm going to dial in, you're going to dial in. Here we go. Mark chapter 11, verse number 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Jesus had just left town and he was hungry and he wanted some some fruit and so he looked at the fruit tree, the fig tree, and it hadn't bear any, borne any fruit and Jesus was irritated, he was triggered, he was angry, but not like you and I would be because woe is me, but he was upset because the tree didn't do what the tree should be doing, the tree didn't produce fruit. And then Jesus goes into the church and um, they were selling things in the church when the church shouldn't be about what they were doing. They were doing something that was immoral, something that was anti uh, what Jesus was teaching, and so he got upset, and he, well, dear Lord, I just about actually did it. He turned over, I was just going to like fake do that, but he, he just about turned over the, thank you, sir, turned over the, the tables. He did turn over the tables, and he got mad. He said, my house will be a house of prayer. Then they went to bed, and he got up early in the morning. They noticed that the fig tree that Jesus had cursed the day before that didn't have any fruit was dead. It was dead, like dead. And the disciples were amazed, and then Jesus says these words, these words to them. So I want to talk to you tonight about what Jesus just told them, and I want to talk to you about removing the mountains in your life. How many of y'all have a mountain in your life that you want to be removed? Not the person maybe that's sitting next to you, right? But, the, but you have a mountain that needs to be removed. Jesus gives us in this teaching three fundamental things or requirements that the Lord needs from each one of us if we're gonna be able to remove the mountain. And it's a prerequisite. So you have to do these three things with a pure heart if the mountain is gonna be removed. Now think about what your mountain is. Now let's dive into what Jesus says. Number one, he says, have faith in God, verse number 22, 
Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Now, I need to stop there because the two critical words are in God. Have faith in God. The, the object of the faith that we have is God. The critical words are in God. Jesus did not say have faith. He said have faith in God. There's got to be an object of the faith. Faith without an object has no value whatsoever. Faith has to have an object. The Bible does not say to have faith in faith. Yet this is what so many Christians get stuck with, is we have faith in faith. Too often when a difficulty arises or a problem comes our way or a challenge uh, is before us, we feel we have to arouse our faith. Well, not, not totally true. We might feel like if we can just stir up enough faith, we can whip the problem. The problem will be over. But in reality, what we're talking about, I know it sounds like a technicality, but this is vitally important, is we can't have faith in faith. Our mind, our attention, our heart has to be focused upon the object of our faith, and that is God. A man's faith or a woman's faith will not remove the mountain. God is going to remove the mountain. And the truth is, practically everybody who has ever come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior has had weak faith. You have had weak faith. I had weak, when I came to know Christ, I did not have strong faith. I had to develop my faith. Only a few people have had strong faith, maybe in the very beginning, but God saved us all, hallelujah, right? He set us all free. In Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus was walking on the water, Peter's like, can I come out? Jesus said, come on out. Then the waves started whipping up and, and stirring and Peter started getting scared and he began to sink. But Jesus was there to lift him up, even though his faith was weak. And he said in Matthew 14, 31, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, a true statement, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? I don't think Jesus was picking on Peter because there were 11 other disciples that wouldn't get out of the boat. But Peter got out of the boat, but he's trying to help him understand why he sank. Because he doubted. Because he didn't have complete trust and complete faith. So the, one, the more that you know and I know the object of our faith the more that we will believe in the object of our faith. The object of our faith is God. A couple men go out on the, the lake and it's frozen over and they're gonna do some ice fishing. One man goes first and he begins to cross the lake. He's assured by his friend that the ice will hold him up. Yet when he begins to step out on the ice, he starts trembling, starts getting very scared. And he takes smaller step after smaller step until he can stand it no longer and he returns to the shore. But the other man strolls out courageously and boldly to the center of the lake. He cuts a hole in the ice and he sits down and he begins to fish in the ice. 
Couple of questions for you. What supported the man that was sitting out on the ice? Not his faith, but the ice is what supported him. The object of his faith. He had faith that the ice was gonna hold him. The ice is what held him. It was the object of his faith. Of the two men, who had the strongest faith? Of course, it was the one that was out on the ice that was fishing through the hole that he had drilled in the ice. But it was the weak one, the one who had weak faith, who slowly inched his way back to the shore because of his weak faith. He didn't have confidence and trust in the object of his faith, which is the ice. So what makes the big difference between the man of faith and the man that doesn't have faith? One thing, and I gotta drill this home if I can. The one man knew the ice, the object of his faith, and the other one did not know the ice or the object that he should have had faith in. So faith requires knowing the object, and the object is God. I want you to think, just, let's just hit the pause button in the middle of this Bible teaching for just a moment. And I want you to think, um, maybe, maybe contemplate for a moment, we don't do enough of that. Contemplate for just a moment about the mountain in your life. Now I could give you all kinds of examples, read some pedigrees, but I just want you to think about your mountain. Think. Do you have faith that your mountain will be removed? Or do you have faith that God will remove your mountain? Because there is a world of difference between the two statements. And I know that oftentimes we say, I have faith that God will remove, or I have faith that this mountain will be removed. And we might mean that we have faith that God will remove it. So I don't wanna take that away from you. But I also don't want to just assume that we have faith that God will do it. God is the object of our faith. So I wanna talk about this faith thing. I just can't give this up. Um, have faith in God is what Jesus said. Let's talk about faith for a couple minutes. And I have three quick questions for you regarding this one verse, this have faith in God. What is the purpose of faith? And I would say to you, the purpose of faith is to remove mountains. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. So what are mountains? In the culture, in the context, the Jewish people clearly understood what Jesus meant when he said this by removing mountains. This phrase, removing mountains, was, was very common in that culture, and it meant, just like we think it does today, removing difficulties in our lives. Mountains represent something that's immovable. It's, it's something that is impossible to move. 
So it's not something within your realm of I can do this myself. It's outside the realm of that. It's something that's too steep to climb. It's something that's too high to cross. It's, it's too awesome to see beyond. That's, that's the reason Jesus discussed prayer along with communion oftentimes in the New Testament along with faith. You learn how to have faith in God as you pray and as you commune with God. And the more we pray and the more we commune, what commune means, hang out with, spend time with. I'm not just talking about the juice and the wafer. It means supping with, spending time with, developing a relationship with, talking to and listening to God. The more that we do that, the more that we will know God. And then we'll experience the removal of the difficulties and the mountains that slow you down in your progress in life. But logically speaking, when I remove something, I, it has to go somewhere, right? If I remove it, I might go back here. But when you remove something, it has to be put somewhere. And in this case, Jesus says it goes into the sea. In the Bible times, and I'm gonna show you this, but in the Bible times, the sea is considered to be the dwelling place of evil spirits. We see this illustrated when Jesus casts out the evil spirits into the pigs and they run into the sea. When Jesus, or when we um, ask for forgiveness, we're told that God forgives us and our sins are cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Um, when Revelation speaks of the new heavens and the new earth where there will be no more sea. So, so he, he's, it's an illustration that helps us understand that the sea was the dwelling place of evil. Um, when Moses parted the sea and walked across on dry ground, it was an illustration that was much deeper than just water and water, but he was walking across free from the realm of evil. And then when Pharaoh and his minions followed through and the sea swallowed them up, the demonic realm was released upon the evil that had been uh, unleashed upon Moses. And so they were returned to the sea. Evil begat the evil. So this sea is speaking of something very powerful when Jesus says, when you say to this mountain, be removed, it will be cast into the sea. It will go back in the difficult realm it came from, from the very pit of hell that it belongs in. It takes faith to remove. It takes faith to overcome. It takes faith to eliminate or to defeat our difficulties. How do we possess faith? How do we do that? How? Just believe. Wait a minute. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourselves into the sea, hmm, get this, watch this now, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Two, two crucial points in this promise. You must not doubt. This means 
never even having a, even having a thought of whether that thing can be done or not. Of course it can be done because your faith is not in faith. Your faith is in the object of your faith, which is God. Realistically, only God himself can know if the thing will actually happen or not. But Jesus is trying to get us to the place that we will believe, will grow in our belief and in our trust. He wants us to believe that all things are possible, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And then secondly, we must believe in God's authority. Look at the word, it says, the word says, and says to this mountain be removed. We've gotta speak it forth, understanding that you are not sovereign, that only God is sovereign. Remember those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were in that fiery furnace, and, and they said to the king as he was getting ready to toss them into the seven times hotter type furnace, they said to him, our God will deliver us. But even if he does not, oh, we will not turn away from our faith, our belief, our trust in God's authority. That's total trust in what God can do and trusting his sovereign power to do what is best, which isn't always what you've asked for. That's trusting in God's authority, trusting in his sovereign. He is not a genie in a bottle, but I get what I want when I want it. He is a God that we must trust in his power and in his authority. The power of Jesus came from the authority of God. God is the one. Have faith in God and in his authority and in his power to do what he said he can do. All Jesus had to do was speak the word, was to say it, and it was done. That was the very point that he was making to us here. If we believe, not doubting at all, then we stand on the authority of Almighty God. So, what's the result of our faith in God? Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. The mountains, your difficulties, which confront you, will be removed efficiently, effectively, quickly. Matthew 21, 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. This is not a back it up double talk. This is not a false promise from a God who's setting you up for failure. This is a God who is saying, whatever, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Trusting in God's power and God's sovereignty. Hmm. 
So I said there are three requirements the Lord has for us to be able to remove the mountains. Y'all with me tonight? Say yes. I said, number one, have faith in God. We got through one verse so far. Have faith in God. And I'm gonna tell you, number two, the second requirement is be expectant. Be expectant. Oh, well, you know, it's a crapshoot. It might, might not, I don't know. Be expectant. Don't let the doubters around you bring you down. Be, ex- my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Be expectant. Mark chapter 11, we're still in the same here. Next verse, verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Hmm. It kind of sounds like he's being a little redundant. It sounds like he's being a little redundant. It sounds to me like he's being a little redundant, right? He's speaking the same thing using a few different, few different words. Be expectant. A man or a woman must believe and expect that your prayers will be answered. We have to be confident and assured and anticipate and look for the answer. I think all too often we think that God, God's answer to most everything we say is silence. God's answer to almost everything that we ask him is, is um, I'll get back at you when I've got some time. Or I'll let you know. Now, God is a God that is sovereign. He might choose to sharpen your faith by making you giving you the opportunity to grow by challenging you to wait. But expectancy involves all of our being. And I believe we're made up, as I wrote about, three parts. I believe that it involves our intellect, our emotion, and our free will. Expectancy means engaging our head brain, our heart brain, and our gut brain. Expectancy means that I believe with my intelligence. It means that I desire, and this expectancy is a, it's a desire, and he'll give me the desires. Uh, he put the desires in my heart, and my gut says, oh, well, then I ask. I move. I, I, I accelerate. I activate. My gut just says, let's do this. That's my will, my free will that in, in, engages God's divine authority and power. And James, uh, let me just, James chapter one, verse number six uh, tells us, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. We're, We're blown and tossed by the wind. God has given us authority, power, Authority and power are given to us so that we can overcome. I don't know if you all are getting this. Maybe in Modesto, I'm not sure. But authority and power are given to you so that you can overcome. You you can overcome. God has given you the anointing to overcome. Luke chapter 10, verse Luke chapter 10, I'm just going to get to my book. Verse number 19. Y'all got to stay with me. Say yes. 
I have given you, these are the words of Jesus Christ, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. (laughs) Jesus is saying these words. And we're a contextualized church family. In other words, we're not just gonna latch on to a verse without it being in the context of what he said. But Jesus is trying to teach us that the authority that he has has been given to us. He even says this after Jesus died, uh, was buried, and was resurrected, and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He says these words in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's been given to him. Who gave it to him? God. Have faith in God. Jesus is God. He's the son of God. God is three in one and the spirit of God. But he's trying to communicate to us that when we have faith in God, we have the authority of God. And the authority of God is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, use it, baby. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if we continue on, it's not going to be on your screen, but and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, verily, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Not only do we have his power and his authority, but we have his presence. He is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. Our authority through Jesus, from God, are y'all with me? Our authority through Jesus, from God, is over Satan and his evil forces. You need not fear, child of God. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this old world. Picture it this way. Satan is defeated, and he is under the feet of Jesus, and we're standing at the side of our big brother. So we have power through Jesus, from God, over Satan. So why do we struggle with him so much? Because he's a freaker-outer. He's trying to freak you out. He's trying to scare you, intimidate you, accuse you. There are three requirements, though, the Lord has given to us. Have faith in God. Be expectant. Brings us to number three. Forgive others. This is it. And when you stand praying, Jesus says, in this trilogy of teaching, if you hold anything against anyone. Forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. We've got to forgive others. Unforgiveness. Hear this. Unforgiveness is a major hindrance to your miracle. Oh, this is tough. It's not the only hindrance. Let's just be honest. 
but it is a major hindrance to so many people's miracles, to so many people's deliverance. You can't say to this mountain, be removed. You might have faith in God. You might really expect that God is gonna come through in what he says, but if you stand praying and you have ought against somebody, but you don't know what they've done to me. Jesus said, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. Now he wasn't saying they don't have a clue that they just nailed me to the cross, beat the thunder out of me, can't even recognize me, I've been reduced to a piece of flesh on a stick. He didn't say that. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the effects of their sin. They don't understand the ripple effects and how this has devastated me, emotionally and physically, socially and relationally. They don't know what's happened. Now I can't have a normal existence. I'm talking about you because of what they did to me. And Jesus is saying, if you have ought against them, forgive them. Release them to the vengeance and the justice of God. Let them off your hook and put them on God's hook. But they can't be on both hooks. Forgive them. It's not the only hindrance though, I said. God may be, may be allowing your burden to build your faith. That's a tough place to be. Yeah, you know, there's a thorn in my flesh. There's a burden that I've got, a mountain that's in my way. My grace is sufficient. For, it may be, God may be also, as I had a talk with somebody at Bookfest about this today, it was a divine appointment. God may be allowing you to share. Sharing is so good. I get to share in something that Jesus has. I can't wait to find out what it is. And Jesus says, I'm gonna share with you. And you're like, please, Lord, share with me. You get to share in my sufferings, Jesus said. And you're blessed when you do. Here's what we know for sure, guys. God could, of course, do away with Satan, but he uses the enemy to perfect us in so many ways. Prayer is on-the-job training for you and me for co-rulership that we'll experience later with Christ. Jesus battled with Satan. And when he battled with Satan, all his earthly existence was focused on that spiritual warfare. And ours should be as well. What I've got tonight is an opportunity for you wherever you're at online or Modesto or here a micro church in Georgia so I'd like you to take an opportunity an opportunity that I think is very very important do we believe what Jesus said do we truly believe that when he spoke to us in Mark's gospel have faith in God I tell you if anyone says that's you to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea. Doesn't doubt, not their heart, but believes that what they say will happen. It'll be done for them. Therefore, what if you ask for prayer? Believe that you have received it and it'll be yours. And when you stand praying, a little cautionary word for you. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven 
may forgive you your sins. It all goes together in one formula, in one package, and you can't dupe God. I would like to see some mountains removed in your lives today. With all my heart, I'd like to see mountains removed in your lives. So I'm going to pray for you. Mighty God, we have identified and recognized just moments ago the mountains, the burdens in our lives. God, we need your help. It's easy to recognize them. It's hard to overcome. So Lord, we pray tonight that you would help us, help us, mighty, mighty God, help us. We have faith in the object of our faith in God. We expect that God, you will do what you said you would do. And mighty God, if there be any wicked way in us, if we have any unforgiveness, known or unknown, show us and we will forgive. We might have to forgive by faith because we believe in God with expectancy that our feelings will line with our faith in time. But we believe that we forgive and we trust you, God, that it will all line up in the end. So God, tonight, tonight, God, at all of our campuses, we pray for miracles. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Modesto, online, we love you, we're praying for you, and we trust that God will finish what he's begun in your life. God bless you.